Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, boy. I love it, love it. Yeah. I love it, love it. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. 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 I tune into the HCCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talking Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Yeah. Talking they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna loud yeah. and who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir, yes, and pay attention, boy. cause he gon' teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Bills inside the HBC Sports Lab. Welcome to episode 466. Uh, Dr. Bill's inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Mike Washington is back out on assignment. Um, he had a big weekend. He might have <laughs> did it just a little too much. Uh, kind of still doing a little bit of that stepping and things of that nature. With the, you know, this is a big weekend for us in terms of Founders Day. And we'll give a little shout out for that. 117 years, Charles. Under 17 years, oldest and the coldest, yes, indeed. All day long. Welcome to the episode 466 of Inside the HBC Sports Lab radio show and podcast. The show that's covering it, sporting HBC Dash, or all things HBC sports for institutions large and small, from the NAIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBC sports culture, HBC athletic aesthetics, to facilitate the story of HBC athletic programs in the business of HBC Sports. I'm your host, Dr. Yadakaville, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We're filming from our home studios and send a signal live, KCOH 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, multi-Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper, in a beautiful home with Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. As you saw, 117 years, uh, producer putting that up there, showing us some love. Uh, big day yesterday. It was cold. It got cold appropriately, is <laughs> Room in the world, boy. I told you, all cute <laughs> brothers and smokes are blazing everywhere. You see your boy just trying to show out a little bit, you know. That's a pretty dope sweater. I like that. Appreciate, I like that. Appreciate it. Just, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, sometimes you got to show out a little bit, it comes your way, just making it work. No doubt. So, for all those brothers, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, happy belated Founders Day. Um, Oldest and the coldest, as Charles said. How you doing today, Charles, with that being said? What did you do for Founders Day? What did I do? You know, it's it's um, part of my finals week, so uh, I was uh, doing scholarships. <laughs> I was in the midst of scholarship for my Founders Day, so, uh, yeah. yeah. I was doing 
I was doing academic scholarship myself, but I did yeah. get out to make sure I got a little brotherhood smoke. I didn't call you for that because I knew you were doing your scholarship. I didn't want to be the one that uh, pushed you in the wrong direction, as they said. Yeah. yeah. Leaning on yeah. the shield in the wrong way. Come on, man. Come on. I, I, I will get a chance to celebrate Founders Day once again, but this week, <laughs> woo, it's all about scholarship. Love for all mankind. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's pretty yeah. Damn it, boys. They don't call you smart guys for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but that means yes, they and showed me some love in terms of the offensive and defensive players of the year. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, let's take a look at uh, Miak announced the 2023 offensive and defensive players of the year as North Carolina Central's Davis Richard and Howard. Defensive back Kenny Gallup were named 2023 Offensive and Defensive Players of the Year. The honorees were announced during the 65th Annual National Football Foundation Hall of Fame press conference, which was uh, aired live on ESPN+. Plus. So, And this is a statement from Commissioner Sonia Steele. Congratulations to both Davis and Kenny on being named the Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year. These talented student-athletes have earned every accolade they receive and are fine representatives of North Carolina Central University and Howard University and the MEAC Nation. I'm proud to bestow the Player of the Year honors to Davis and Kenny for their on-field success. So congratulations to Davis Richard and Kenny Gallup uh, for their offensive and defensive prowess this past season. You know, I went on uh, Brian and AD's show, Sports Rap Lab, on Sunday night. Mm -hmm. I had my little fam, you gear on, gave them congratulations, did it the right way. It was kind of crazy because the FAMU uh, sweatshirt I had on, I really brought before I just dug in and got into HBCU sports like the shirt. And that was at the time where I just was supporting HBCUs because everybody else was wearing like, you know, Carolina, Michigan or Texas or whatever. And I was like, I like the colors uh, in the framework and I wanted to review HBCU. So when I didn't have uh, wear a prayer view and I wanted to wear color type framework. I got something. I saw that, picked it out. It was on sale, good price. Foot Lock at mm -hmm. that time when they were doing all that and grabbed it. So mm -hmm. I pulled it out. I said, this would be perfect for the show uh, since things didn't go well for Prairie View and Panthers this week, or at least well enough to post up the trophy. But I wanted to tease Roy a little bit and bury the lead before I gave him official congratulations uh, to the Rattlers, his Rattlers, and many others Rattlers we're getting it done as they defeated Prairie 35 to 14. We're going to bury that a little bit because we'll get a chance since we weren't on Sunday. We'll break down that game in the second segment as we come to it. But that means that it's all settled now. Mm -hmm. In Atlanta, in two weeks essentially, uh, two weeks, we have a champion will rise in the AT ATL. That is the cricket celebration vote. Uh, we will have the Howard Bison out of the MEAC. That's Saturday, December 16th, 11 a.m. on ABC ESPN. Plus, you have the Howard Bison that come in at 6-5, and 4-1, and one, winning the MEAC. And you have Florida A&M Rattlers coming in with a 11-1 record. Very impressive. 8-0 in conference play. Should be an interesting matchup. A lot of people can go back, you know, just – Less than five years ago, these two teams were playing out of the same conference, trying to represent yeah. the MEAC 
And so that brings some different pageantry to it in terms of what that looks like. So it should be a matchup. We'll get a chance over the next couple of weeks to really get into it. But I at least wanted to provide the official announcement uh, that it's all down to this one game now. We have one more game in terms of the X celebration, but we do have a second HBCU game at the Division II level that mm-hmm. features a representative out of the SIEC and representative out of CIAA. We're getting that a little more as well. Uh, but, Charles, what are your thoughts, initial thoughts, early, early, way too early thoughts <laughs> on mm-hmm. the cricket celebration bowl matchup between Howard and the Rattlers? I think it's going to be an excellent matchup uh, when you take a look at um, Howard and their running game, uh, which, you know, stands out for me when you're talking about players like uh, Eden James uh, going up against uh, this family defense. And, you know, I, I, the family defense, they remind me so much of the past two years, especially with Jackson State's defense. And I thought, you know, the swag has the edge going into the celebration bowl the past two years, but the MEAC has proven themselves that they come in again with that chip on their shoulder. They come in with that running game. They come in with a, with a surprise every now and then, uh, whether it be some sort of gadget play of some sort. And, you know, they've, they've taken it to the swag, quite honestly, over the past few years. So, you know, I, I think some people, you know, question Howard's worthiness of, 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 of being in a celebration game. And and to those people, I say you have not seen this Howard football team. It is a good football team, and I'm looking mm. forward to a great game. Yeah, that's a great point, a great point. I think they crashed the party in terms of for so long it looked like it was going to be North Carolina Central Eagles Yeah, returning to it and seeing if they could defend uh, against the Rattlers, both teams sitting in the top ten. But Howard was the one that got it done at home and put up 50 points. So what yeah. like just Got by by a field goal, you know, got a late fumble. They dominated that matchup in that game. So certainly in terms of you look at that, they rightly, rightfully should be there. Go yeah, and some, and some of it is our perception of Howard Athletics. You know, we, we joke around in terms of the wine and cheese crowd and, and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, uh, we don't, you know, take a look at Howard Athletics in, in that regard, especially uh, Howard football uh, lately. So, but I, I'm telling everybody who will listen that this is going to be this is going to be a close one. This is going to be a good game. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how this all turns out, physicality in the matchup, the pageantry between these two teams. You know, oh, FAMU yeah. has had a control of the Atlanta market going back, obviously, when they used to play the Atlanta Classic against Tennessee State, played a couple of times against Southern uh, in those particular matchups. So. When you think about them, that's going to be fascinating to see how they come out and represent uh, looking for a championship, a brand uh, that is one of the top brands in HBCU sports with all a rich history. So the pageantry will be there, certainly from their side. And then you look at Howard um, that uh, has their own rich history, has its own certainly, as they call themselves, the Mecca, but all the different celebrities attached uh, with Howard, it's going to be interesting to see who comes out to get some of that spotlight and be in the house for this big time matchup. In a lot of ways, will probably crown a black college national champion, uh, one way or the other, particular as what we refer to the major division. Uh, we'll see what that looks like for the mid majors. Benedict has all but wrapped that up. We do have a game, so we won't release the final framework of that until a little later. 
we get closer to it. With that being said, I did want to have this as since we're talking about the history of black college football. Yeah, the 2024 Black College Football Hall of Fame class finalist was released. So I certainly want to get your thoughts on this, Charles. The list includes 23 players and five coaches. Quote, we'd like to congratulate the class of 2024 finalists, said Doug Williams, Super Bowl uh, 22 MVP, chairman and co-founder of the Hall of Fame. Quote, each of these men represents the absolute best of black college football. The finalists were selected from a field of over 200 nominees by a 10-member selection committee composed of prominent journalists, commentators, historians, former NFL general managers, and football executives. Quote, thank you for the selection committee for the dedication and hard work in selecting the year's finalists and the committee chairman, Charlie Neal. Quote, the job of the selection committee is not easy, but the passion for preserving the history a black college football shows in this year's group of finalists. No doubt about that. The class of 2024 will be announced on December 14th, 2023. They will be recognized for the first time at the All-State HBC Legacy Bowl in New Orleans on February 24th, an honor during the 15th annual Black and College Football Hall of Fame induction ceremony on Saturday, June 8th, 2024 in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, you can go to www. Black College Football, HOF.org. Now listen to these names. This is where I want to see what had your eyes. Julius Adams, defensive end, Texas Southern University, 1967 to 1970. Joe, 747 Adams, quarterback, Tennessee State, 1977 <laughs> to 1980. George Atkinson, safety, Morris Brown, 1965 to 1968. Antoine Bethea, defensive back, Howard University, 2002 to 2005. Dwayne Board, defensive end, North Carolina A&T State University, 1975 to 1978. Larry Brooks, defensive tackle, Virginia State University, 1969 to 1972. Vince Buck, defensive back, Central State University, 1986 to 1989. Wayman Bryan, linebacker, Tennessee State 1970 to 1973. Kevin Dent, safety <laughs> at Jackson State University, 1985 to 1988. Henry Dyer, running back, Grambling State University, 1963 to 1965. Vernon Holland, offensive lineman, Tennessee State University, 1967 to 1970. Richard Huntley, running back for Winston-Salem State, 1992 to 1995. Ezra Johnson, defensive lineman, Morris Brown University, 1973 to 1976. Rashawn Mathis, defensive back, Bethune-Cookman University, 1999 to 2002. Jacque Nutley, wide receiver, Florida A&M University, 1997 to 2000. Lamar Parrish, running back from Lincoln University, 1966 to 1969. Tyrone Poole, defensive back, Fort Valley State University, 1991 to 1994, Anthony Pleasant. Defensive end of Tennessee State University, 1987 to 1990. Jake Reed, wide receiver of Grambling State University, 1987 to 1990. Eddie Robinson, Jr., linebacker, Alabama State University, 1988 to 1991. Dominique Rogers, Kermade, defensive back, Tennessee State University, 2004 to 2007. John Theory. 
defensive end, Alcorn State University, 1991 to 1994. Jay Skywalker, quarterback of Howard University, 1991 to 1994 as well. Coaching finalists, five coaches we said, right? Rod Broadway, mm-hmm. head coach, football coach of North Carolina Central University, North Carolina A&T, and Grambling State University 2003 to 2017. Rudy Hubbard, head football coach of Florida A&M University 1974 to 1985. Eddie Hurt, head football coach at Morgan State University from 1929 to 1959. Fred Pop Long, head football coach at Wiley College 1921 to 1965. Played with, played Ben L. Calvin Sr., HBCU football, played under Fred Pop Long as he dominated Wiley College in the first decade of the SWAC, as he had many SWAC championships during that year and several HBCU national championships. Doug Porter, head football coach, Mississippi Valley State University, 1961 to 1965, also extended Howard University from 1974 to 1985 as well as Fort Valley State University from 1987 to 1996. Charles, take it away. Where do you want to start? As I just saw you really having a big smile there as you were recalling names, reading updates, seeing some pictures, seeing some play in front of your eyes, I see, uh, yeah. and other ones that you remember reading about. And some of them you got a glimpse, whether it was college and even some of them most recently at the professional level in the NFL. Yeah. Know your thoughts. Well, obviously, I, I grew up uh, uh, in Jackson, in the in the heart of Swag Country. Uh, but there's a sizable population of Tennessee State alums in Jackson. Uh, so a lot of the names uh, from Tennessee State, when you talk about Seven Forty Seven Adams, when you talk about Wayman Bryant, and you know, I've I've grown up, you know, listening to those names, especially uh, from my neighbors who are huge, huge Tennessee State. Uh, alums, uh, Anthony Pleasant, all those guys. Uh, so uh, it's going to be very interesting when you talk about uh, trying to call down this list. Uh, for a lot of us playing football in Jackson, we grew up on those Jackson State teams of the 1980s, and Kevin Dent uh, was a, a center point of, uh, of some great, great defenses at Jackson State. 1987 comes to mind. So I uh, definitely want to send a shout-out to my guy, Kevin Dent, uh, in regards to uh, his nomination. Uh, but just some other names. I mean, I grew up listening to uh, uh, people talk about Henry Dyer uh, running the football at Grambling. Uh, of course, uh, growing up, we, we watched Jake Reed when he came, came to town to take on those great Jackson State defenses. I was in school when John when John Theory was at Alcorn and Steve McNair was at Alcorn. And you talk about those Alcorn teams of the early 90s, of course, uh, you know, we spent time with Jay Skywalker this past weekend. Uh, so, you know, and his accomplishments at Howard. So uh, this is a great group, great group of guys. And I, I can't even start with the coaches. I mean, the coaches, this is definitely a, a who's who list of uh, HBCU coaches. When you're talking about Rod Broadway, Rudy Hubbard, Eddie Hurd, Pop Long, Doug Porter. Uh, my, my dad was in school with Doug Porter, Mississippi Valley State in the early 60s. So, uh, this this is it brings up a lot of great memories. Uh, and this is going to be a, a tough group to kind of call the finalists down even more uh, to this uh, to this year's Hall of Fame class. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Way to put him blunt on it. Yeah, John Theory. I remember him and Ben Cowboys. They 
uh, would have in the off season. They would go over to Ben Cowell's father's house and uh, boy, some of those barbecue. I just couldn't imagine uh, that <laughs> giant of a man. <laughs> God, what the, oh Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I say what? Theory was a dude. Dude. He dude. was a dude. <laughs> All the country yeah. strong too. You know? Yeah. With that being said, last thing I will say, because I think it's important before we go to this first break, Black College Football Hall of Fame was founded in 2009 by African-American pioneers quarterback James Harris and Doug Williams to preserve the history and honor the greatest football players, coaches, and contributors from historical black colleges and universities, HBCUs. There have been over 100 inductees since inception, including Mel Blunt, James Harris, Willie, the near Art Shell, and Doug Williams, who serve as trustees. The Black College Hall of Fame, DCFHOF, soon will have a permanent home at the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, to tell the story of historical black college and universities, HBCU. So want to do that as we take our first break. We'll come back on the other side and get into some more dialogue as we continue to push forward. So we got a couple of big weeks left as we close out the football season, get into basketball. Some big victories out there. Shout out to Pine Bluff getting it done. Uh, just most recently as well as some mm-hmm. other HBCUs getting it done on the hard field. With that, stick with be right back after this break. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. You see, Head & Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. We're never not working. Number 15? That's my rub. Ooh, nice. Never not working. Never, ever, never, ever not working. Welcome, everybody, to Juneau, Alaska. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head & Shoulders scalp shield technology. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden & Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're gonna tell you if your team, if they want to allow that. And who the ball, ball, So listen to Professor Yes, sir. And pay attention because he's gonna teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab with Charles Bishop. As we get into it, I want to talk a little bit about the game that took place Saturday before we get into our mid major poll rankings. It's frozen this week, so we will do the honor. Just to remind you who our top seven HBCU programs are this year uh, as we get into week uh, 14, coming out of week 13. With that being said, this Saturday, as you all know, Tallahassee, Florida, Black Memorial Stadium, uh, you had the number one ranked Florida A&M Rattlers that improved 11-1, 8-0 in conference play as they defeated 
uh, number four Prairie B&M Panthers that failed to 6-6 six six on the season, 6-2 and two on the conference race, 35-14. The game got in within seven points, 21-14 to uh, 14 with that matchup, uh, which I thought was interesting. For me, the big play after coming out of that was uh, the MVP 23 as he came out and had a 20-yard run. That was kind of the turning point where I said, oop, and they scored on that drive, took it to 28-14, and basically they were able to close it out from there. Uh, but with you, if you would, Charles, give us your analysis uh, of that matchup besides the rain, because I heard somebody say it after coming back <laughs> and drive and getting ready for the celebration bowl, uh, mm-hmm. which dampened things a little bit, but not very much. People were out there in the rain, rain suits, uh, stayed around. They certainly were there for the celebration when mm-hmm. it all went down. But besides that, what were your thoughts in terms of the actual game itself? Well, I, and I do want to uh, send kudos to, to FAMU's fan base uh, for the way they t- turned out uh, in the rain. I mean, we, we did have uh, stoppages and whatnot, but uh, they were there in full force. And, uh, you know, you, you took notice of it. It was something that jumped out with, at me with regards to uh, FAMU's love for this football team. And uh, they stayed through uh, the rain thick and thin. So uh, give credit to them. Uh, when I take a look at this game, I, you know, the biggest thing for me was uh, I did not think Prairie View could play from behind. I think that was the, the big thing that really uh, jumped out for me. And I said going into this game that time of possession was going to be my key stat. And and that being said, the more inclement the weather, I thought that bode well for Prairie View uh, because it meant that, you you know, you were going to have to, you know, hunker down and, 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 and try to stop the run. And uh, I thought, you know, once Prairie View got down early, that that early turnover sort of set the stage for the game because, you know, three, four plays later, uh, FAMU was, was right down in in, in, in the red zone uh, and or the strike zone, as they like to call it, and it was an easy touchdown off the interception. And from there, you know, it, it was kind of a boat race uh, to me. I mean, um, I just thought – that Prairie View was going to have to control the clock with the running game. And I knew they, they had the ability to do that. Uh, but you take your hat off to um, FAMU's defense. They, they did not let uh, Prairie View's running game get up and going. I thought, you know, it, it forced Prairie View into some situations where you, you knew they had to pass the ball. And I think that played into uh, FAMU's hands. Yeah, to your point, uh, FAMU jumps out 14-0 after the first quarter. Uh, both scored seven, so you went in the half 21-7. Coming out of the half, uh, Prairie View was the first to score, and that's where I was saying that it got to 21-14. Yeah. But that was after an intriguing uh, fourth and two play call by Coach Simmons that went for it. Prairie View, to their credit, got the stop and set themselves yeah. in a really good field position around the 40-some yard line, had a big breakout run. And the second play of that drive that uh, went 30-some yards for a touchdown to get it 21-14 in terms of that matchup. Uh, Fam, you answered with 14 points, seven in the third, seven in the fourth. And as you know, that was the final score, 35-14. So you're right. I thought it was interesting as Fam, you was able to jump out early. Also, um, I thought Prairie View coming out um, deciding to throw um, to see if they can open up the running game, I imagine. And sometimes I think maybe you can, you know, think about things too much to some degree. Mm. Uh, but uh, especially the throw on the first three passes, I thought that was intriguing. Uh, 
with the weather and all that involved. And then yeah. fam, you not to be outdone, they throw like their first three passes. I'm like, all right, I don't get it. What's going on here? But yeah. obviously, um, that's what happens in the football games and a lot of matchups. Uh, yeah. Kudos when we throw out some of these stats, and I'll get your thoughts on this before we take our next break. Uh, Jeremy Musa was um, 32 of 22 for 188 yards. Trazon Connolly was 17 of 14 for 91 yards. You probably wouldn't say that was bad. Obviously, the interception was tough, but he was concussed, is my understanding. He had to go out the game. Uh, mm-hmm. Prairie really didn't have a backup. They went with Kenneth Patterson. Uh, couldn't get much there. Uh, but they were Chris Heron, which probably throws some people off because people will say, that's a wide yeah. receiver. Yes. Yeah. That would end up being the backup. Uh, so they went to running uh, Wildcat, Panther Cat, something, whatever you want to do with a, and not doing it with even a running back with a wide receiver. So that was interesting to see. Uh, but I thought he did what he could. I mean, he was 0 for 3 in the passes. Obviously, that is not going to get it. did have one interception. Uh, but he was seven of 70 rushing the ball, trying to uh, throw up. Caleb Johnson had 10 carries, 56 yards uh, in terms of one touchdown, as well as Ahmad Antoine was six of 52 for 35 yards. So they did put up 183 rushing. So that in itself was good. Uh, but, you know, you probably need to get up 200 plus to really put yourself in the game, two touchdowns to make it more interesting in that. Receiving, they only were able to put up total of 91 yards, uh, which you would hope the running would allow you to throw up top and maybe open up the game a little bit. Trajan mm-hmm. Spiller had three catches for 27 yards, just 27 yards. Samar Savage, that we've seen, had some breakout games. Only had 22 yards on one reception. But again, part of that in the second half is the fact that um, you were not traditionally doing what you want. Brian Jenkins Jr. Uh, did have one catch for 10 yards, but even when he is limited on his catches, oftentimes he'll have two or three, and he have one that's really big. He didn't get that mm-hmm. one big reception in terms of getting things going in terms of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the winning side of things, getting back to that, fam, uh, you was able to rush for 229 yards. I know that'll be topic over the next two weeks. Can they continue to rush the ball? We saw yeah. that breakout game uh, in, in terms of Terrell Jennings. Uh, as he was able to get it done uh, in the Florida Classic, obviously in this game, 17 carries for 113 yards, big yards, two touchdowns, or long of 33. But you had some other guys that continue to rush the ball as they have a group of stable running backs. Uh, next biggest carry was Lalon Whit had eight carries for 57 yards. But Marcus Riley got in the mix a little bit, two for 28. Jacques Yant, four for 16, and he was able to get in the end zone just to name some of the running backs in terms of what they were able to do in terms of that matchup. So fascinating there. Uh, they balanced 229 in terms of rushing and 219 in the air. Uh, that's pretty good, putting up over 400 yards. Yeah. Marcus Riley had a big game, 132 yards, five receptions and a touchdown. And then mm-hmm. the other ones do what they do for FAMU as they get in the mix. Um, mixing it up with different receivers. So now that I kind of throw some of the stats out there, any guys beside those that were the MVP uh, of the matchups that stood out with you uh, or they want to shut out the MVP in itself? Marcus Riley. Uh, Marcus Riley uh, is, has been a game-changing type uh, receiver all season. I haven't seen him uh, covered <laughs> at all 
uh, this past season, a huge kickoff return against Jackson State. But uh, he's just one of those breakout guys. And you saw it early in this game, a little play action, and he got behind the safety uh, early in that game for a big, big catch, and it set the tone of the game. Uh, the, the stat that I did circle for family was that rushing attack. Uh, when you talk about Terrell Jennings with 113 yards, I think coming into the game, you know, he was a leading rusher for fan, but he didn't even have 500 yards rushing on the season. So it was one of those things where I felt as though if, if Prairie View could stop FAMU running the football and force them into being one-dimensional and they could come after Jeremy Musa, I thought it bode well for him. But to FAM's credit, uh, you know, they, 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 they found a running game in the SWAG championship game. And Terrell Jennings had uh, a really breakout performance when you're talking about what he was able to get done. Uh, 6.6 yards per carry, uh, had a big run, 33-yard run. So, I, I, you know, it was it was a very balanced, very efficient uh, sort of football game for Pam. And, you know, you just take your hands off. Uh, I thought they did a tremendous job even defensively not allowing Trazon to run the football. He only ran for uh, five attempts, five yards, something to that effect. And I thought that was a big part of Prairie's offense when you talk about the read option, just his threat to run the football and uh, and the, the defensive ends for FAMU, they were up for the challenge. They did a great job in terms of uh, not allowing that to be a component of Prairie View's offense. Let's stop there. As we kind of put a pin on 2023 from a SWAC perspective, obviously we'll come back and look at this from a HBCU perspective in a couple of weeks. Uh, but what were your biggest surprises uh, this year in the SWAC football season? Ah, uh, biggest surprises. I think uh, it could be it could be a player or a team. Yeah, uh, I think a huge surprise for me was Southern. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. this would be a season where you would see that Dooley offense sort of take off, and I, I felt pretty good about them coming out of Swag Media Day in terms of you know keeping an eye on them. But uh, things never really, you know, it, somehow it never meshed. Uh, with regards to Coach Dooley and Southern. And, and at the time of the hire, I thought it was a match made in heaven. Uh, and now we're moving on to another coach with regards to Southern. Um, I thought the roster churn that Jackson State had for them to have a seven and four season, I thought that was that spoke volumes in terms of what TC was able to get done. Now, you know, he gets an opportunity to kind of put more of his stamp on the program uh, with with a recruiting class. So uh, those were a couple of things that stood out. Uh, guys like uh, he didn't uh, get the swag defensive player of the year, but a guy like Colton Bubba Adams uh, all over the place. I mean, a real tackling machine uh, when you talk about. Uh, him and and uh, and Dozier up at U, uh, UAPB. Uh, some games that stood out for me, definitely Texas Southern's upset over Alcorn. That was huge. <laughs> uh, uh, not to be outdone, UAPB's upset of Texas Southern. That last uh, last regular season game where they came back big, uh, that was a, a, a big-time game. But, you know, uh, again, it was another year full of excitement in the SWAC. Uh, record turnout, Bayou Classic. Uh, coaching turnover. Uh, the SWAC never disappoints in that regard. Good stuff. I like that. I'd say Team Prairie View being able to reach the mountaintop in terms of winning the West. Um, I thought they would finish better than uh, where they were expected, but not not that high. So shout out to Trazon Connolly, defensive players, running back Antoine, 
uh, that got in the mix, got it done uh, in a lot of ways. Shout out to them. The defense will be in solid, uh, particularly uh, in terms of the matchup where they went in and got it done against Alabama State and Southern. I thought those were big games, big matchups, games that stood out in terms of the Prairie View. Shout out to Aaron Allen for uh, the Braves in terms of his comeback season. Not even starting the season in the starting lineup, uh, but put himself right in there in terms of uh, player of the year was in that mix, at least um, in in a lot of ways and brought the Braves right onto the edge Mm -hmm. uh, of playing for a championship. Other than, as you said, Texas Southern kind of biting them was a big one. Uh, I thought that was fascinating. Obviously, you got to say shout out for FAMU, Coach Willie Simmons. Yeah, uh, to be in the league, dog. You know, you've experienced this the last two years, Jackson State coming out there to play at that level week after week when you're getting a lot of teams bet because you yeah. were predicted to be able to carry that through. I think that's a shout out to look at uh, Alabama and you know, a little dis- disappointed in the Alabama Bulldogs in terms of them being able to take that next step. Uh, but with that being said, I'll stay in the state of Alabama, Alabama State, the Hornets. Uh, taking that next leap in terms of looking like they're turning that program around, particularly after um, getting a big win to start it off, but then getting a tough loss to Miles. Yeah, yeah. A lot of folks having questions with quarterback going through that um, and allowing the defense to lead it, but doing enough offensively to put themselves in the mix, essentially finishing second yeah. uh, in the SWAC East, uh, along with uh, getting that big – Road homecoming win against Jackson State, as you said, they were a formidable team for yeah. seven and four. Are you talking about a team, Jackson State, with that type of victory? Uh, um, they're fighting in that last game against the Braves to see about seriously looking at getting a bit to the playoffs themselves, letting you know just how little it is. The last thing I'll put it on there, I'm sure you'll appreciate this, is the West taking the next step overall, at least, to get a little closer to the East. Mm. Uh, you had um, nine wins, and again, all these games were not conference games, so you get a little over than the amount of total conference game. But you had nine wins of the West mm-hmm. uh, to 11 wins in the East. And as you know, a uh, year before that, it was about 67% of what the East was winning at a cliff. And now you almost get it at 50%, you know, just under that. So I thought that was a major statement in this year to see the West taking a different step. Um, And this is with the West being very, um, uh, very talented in terms of how close the West was, Uh, but it wasn't definitely because of mediocre. It was about them taking the next step. So I thought that was a big thing with that. We'll take our next break. Come back on the other side. Great comments by Charles getting you inside as we close out the SWAC championship game, as well as the SWAC season, regular season, as we get into that celebration bowl. And the MIAC, come back on the other side. We'll give you our poll ranking. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is Brian Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. When it comes to professional learning, teachers deserve better. From the leader in online learning, Stride brings you the Stride Professional Development Center. 
an on-demand library of mobile-friendly courses that gives teachers choice and flexibility, allowing them to learn anytime and anywhere. Our dynamic courses provide bite-sized learning and help educators advance their knowledge while also gaining professional development hours. It's time you take charge of your learning. Visit us today to get started. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah. And who the ball, ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bills inside the HBC Sports Lab. As we're kind of doing a wrap up, semi wrap up, you know, officially as we start to close out the year, we're gonna give you that obviously when we get into the New Year's Week show where we really take a deeper dive. But as we're doing this, we're going to do it as we uh, do our finishing touch on the SWAC as we gave you what took place in the uh, SWAC championship game in Tallahassee and the rainfall downfall. Ooh, you talking about a hurricane game. We got our own in the SWAC for the SWAC championship <laughs> game. Lightning the days and everything. Uh, with that being said, we're going to talk about a mid-major pole rings week number seven. It's frozen again. We want to show you just keep it in front of your mind. And I have a couple of questions I want to ask Charles about the mid-major division. We're going to look at it mostly from the CIAA and SIAC as some of our NIA programs like Langston and Florida Memorial. I had solid seasons, but not quite, uh, at least for Langston, where we used to seeing them over the past couple of years in Florida Memorial, to that credit, they were in a conference championship race. So they certainly took the next step. So a team to watch as we move forward. But with that being said, let's get into our poll rankings as we look at the uh, receiving votes. Allen Yellow Jackets, seven and three, five and three, probably one of the biggest stories of the year. Uh, Albany State Golden Rams, six and five, six and two, as well as Fort Valley State uh, Wildcats, is seven and three, six and two. Fort Valley State still has a game to play, so they get 11 on the books. We'll see what that looks like and see uh, can they find their way around these things in terms of moving into. Uh, the top 10 as they are ranked. With that being said, as we look at the top seven, uh, as we know, sitting at the top is Benedict Tigers. They fall in the playoffs 11 and 1, as well as Virginia Panthers 10 and 2. Uh, they have all nine first place votes remaining in that number one position in terms of what that looks like. Fascinating to see all the way. Um, so you see, even during the breaks, you see Tuskegee, Fort Valley kind of fluctuating back and forth. Uh, as they were just in the seven, I'm sure they'll get a chance to make that final seven as they float up uh, probably seven before that game starts. But mm -hmm. with that being said, Charles, this is the question I have for you. Obviously, when we look at these matchups, CIAA, SIC, uh, CIAA over the last couple of years, in a lot of ways, was really top-heavy, particularly mm -hmm. when you look at the North Division in terms of what they got done. You had some talent, but uh, maybe not as deep. And the SIC. I think that may have flipped this year. Yeah. Obviously, it came down to the last week, not because you were looking who was going to win uh, necessarily uh, the SIC. As Benedict pretty much locked that up. There's questions of whether they would be one or two going into the championship game as they played Allen uh, for that rivalry game. They had a chance to change up some things there. But in terms of who was going to finish second, it was four or five deep, and a lot of that played out. I yeah. those matchups with Miles and Tuskegee, Fort Valley and Albany State for those wildery games, if you would. Uh, but the question I have for you, CIAASIC, uh, are you still looking at CIAA being the king of the crown, or do you hold now to the SIC? Where are you going with this? 
Well, obviously, Benedict was a, 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 a different monster, uh, undefeated back-to-back uh, seasons. Uh, but, you you know, if we pulled the poll up and you take a look at, like you said, uh, you know, Benedict's won, but then you have four CIAA teams sitting right there before you uh, get back to uh, Miles and Tuskegee and then those who are just out of that top seven. So I, I think it's a, a it's a lot more balanced now. I mean, you, you got uh, good teams there in the CIAA North, good teams in the CIAA South, when you talk about Fayetteville State. Uh, but uh, who, it, that is a tough question in terms of, you know, the power dynamic within the, uh, uh, the mid-majors and the Division II schools. Uh, I would say slightly Benedict, uh, because Benedict for the past two seasons uh, was essentially what Bowie State was uh, in the previous mm-hmm. two seasons. Yeah. So, you know, so I, you know, maybe the needle just slides just a little bit to the SIAC. <laughs> I like the way you're playing it safe, but I have no problem with it because you're correct. Because it's a challenge because while you have, uh, let's pull up that top seven if we can. While you have six, if you look at the top ten in terms of those receiving votes, uh, you have six of the teams out of the SIC uh, in the total top ten, including those receiving votes. But as you see in this top seven, uh, you have four, if you would, in terms of CIAA, but four of those top things are right there in the top five. Yeah. Four of the top five is the CIAA. So the depth in some ways probably goes to the SIC, but maybe the top in terms of the teams goes to CIAA. Is that because of the depth of one conference versus the other? Yeah. Or those kind of questions. So to your point, while I was teasing you and saying uh, that it's close, I think you're absolutely right when you look at it this year. And it may slide in one direction, uh, yeah. but the depth when you talk about that in terms of the quality of these two conferences uh, says a lot in terms of where they are, which brings us to this. Obviously, we have the postseason matchup that's facing CIAASIC, and again, we'll get a chance to maybe tease that a little more with Fort Valley State and Johnson C. Smith to see where that's going. I know the SIC folks out there say that uh, uh, SIC is going to get it done, particularly some of the uh, HBCU guru football to guys out there as they get onto it. But I don't know more if that's just a little bit of that SIC fandom that's out there, if you would, or what is it? Uh, but the other thing that is looking at is that CIAA, SIC to open up the season. Remember, that was denied last year. Mm. that They're pushing for it again. So it'll be fascinating to see what that looks like. Or maybe if we can get a couple of more of these big matchups, you know, Fayetteville State against a Albany State, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of those key matchups, would be fascinating to see a Miles Golden Bears against a Virginia Union. Oh, that would, that would be, be fascinating, cool. right? A yeah. Johnson C. Smith against a Tuskegee uh, would be some uh, interesting matchups. A Virginia State uh, matching up against a uh, Fort Valley State in some of these key matches. Yeah, yeah. Give, give, me, give me Allen versus somebody. I want to see Allen versus somebody. Yeah, that'd be, be some good stuff. Yeah, Maybe it's an Allen versus Johnson C. Smith. Yeah. South Carolina, North Carolina. South Carolina, Carolina, North Carolina. I like that. Yeah. But wanted to give some love to the mid-majors. Obviously, uh, they're not going to be in the forefront in a couple of weeks, but uh, closed out and had a tremendous season, a lot of good football. Fascinating to see what they're going to do offseason. Obviously, 
You talk about Morehouse uh, going to make a hire. You've seen Keene coming over from Allen to Clark Atlanta, which is a huge shakeup in terms of Clark Atlanta looking to make that next step. We hear some rumblings out there in terms of uh, expansion for the MEAC. Some Division Two maybe taking it leap to Division One. We'll see if that's going to take place in terms of that. Are we going to get some expansion in the SWAT? Is that going to happen again this offseason? So a lot to keep your eyes on, a lot of focus out there. So I'm interested. We still have the coaching searches at the major division level. We still have it open for Morehouse. It'll be fascinating to see how these things close out. With that being said, before we too far off in it, let's take our next break and come back on the other side. We start touching on a little bit of the magic for the celebration, but I want to get some way, way too early thoughts on that matchup from Charles Bishop. Sticker will be right back after this break. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love laughing. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir, and pay attention, boy. he gonna teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Let's get in our major division rankings of week number 14. No real changes this week. Everything settles down, but obviously we have some updates in terms of the record, so we'll let's see how it falls out. A major contest will be Celebration Bowl, and we'll see what that looks like. In the teams just outside of the top seven, completing the top ten is at number eight, essentially receiving votes. The Southern Jaguars, six and five, five and three, as they got the big win in the Bayou Class to get it done. Fourth down stop allows them to win and close it out. Tennessee State Tigers, six and five, two and four. Uh, A good season overall, but a tough way to end it. We'll see what that means as they move forward. Obviously not doing as well as they would like in the OVC as they finish 2-4. But overall season, you got to give them credit. They got the winning record, which always shows progress and growth. Grandma State, we saw a coaching change there after they fall just out of a winning record with the 5-6-4-4 in conference play, 147 points. So they're outside in the top 10. With that being said, let's get into the top seven. Top seven rankings as we have is number seven is Jackson State Tigers, seven, four, five, and three. Charles told you what they look like in terms of the totality of the season, taking the next step. So it's really going to be fascinating to see what they do in the offseason. Can they take that next step? And now they uh, become the hunter versus the huntee uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, chasing FAMU. Some would people would say maybe even Alabama State, which brings us to number six. 
Those Alabama State Hornets are six and four, five and three, 180 points. They stay at the sixth mark, finish the season with a winning record, actually close out at seven and four as they got the big win against Tuskegee, finish up the season seven and four overall, uh, big time uh, play by them. At number five, Alcorn State Braves finished at seven and four, six and two, 191 points, finishing five. This is going to be interesting. You're talking about a top five program, not back to even a big winner ways, but just fail literally a couple of seconds short of playing for a conference championship, uh, 7-4. So excited in a lot of ways, overall record, but disappointing in terms of tying with the Western Division at 6-2, with that being said. Uh, And then now you're hearing some rumblings about the coach. Will he continue to be there or will he take his talents? Uh, somewhere else, namely possibly in the SWAC, maybe even stay in the West. So that could be fascinating if that takes place. Bring us to number four. Prairie and them Panthers at six and six, six and two. Finished the overall season at 500. Not very good in terms of non-conference. Some of them were good competition in terms of stepping up FBS, including SMU. Did actually won their conference as we see them win their championship game this past weekend. So it gives you some indication, uh, but did play for a championship, 192-point finishing four in this week's ranking. Bring us to number three, North Carolina Central. It's hard to say that a 9-3 season uh, is a disappointment. Yeah. 4-1, that's when you know the expectations are really high. Yeah. 240 points, uh, staying at number three, fascinating. Uh, had that loss on the road to Howard. That's how rebounding got a little payback from last year. As they took 50 points, this year they give 50 points. Central did that. Played in the playoff. They did get the bid. Led in the first half against Richmond. And then it literally falls apart as you see quarterback Richard. It slightly injured. He was able to play the rest of the game. Be interesting to see where North Carolina Central is going. They lose all everything. Quarterback, All-American player of the year out of the MIAC has we announced early in the show, so it's fascinating to see where that program is. Are they at the point where they rebuild or reload? We'll get to see in the offseason and certainly next year. <laughs> Bringing us to number two, Howard Bison, six and five, four and one. You talk about having that magical campaign. They're in the celebration mode. They get it done. They go to seven and five, defeat number one rankings. They're going to put their mark in their uh, statement on saying that they should be number one and the HBCU national champion if they take down essentially number one and number three at the last uh, three weeks of the season. So it's fascinating as they have a lot to be able to say, even though the record is just at six and five, which may not excite everybody, but it lets you know just how big it is when you're playing for a championship. And then you have the Florida and them route. They sit at 11-1, 8-0. First time in many years that they got to 11 wins. They finally got the conference championship. And this one is the first of its kind because it's in the SWAC. 12 mm-hmm. first place votes, 252 points. They're back where they believe they belong in terms of the top of the mountain for HBC sports. And they're looking at a national champion. They can get it done against Howard. Uh, they can really do it in fine fashion because they'll have 12 wins, only one loss. And one loss would be against the FBS program. It's going to be mm-hmm. fascinating to see what this looks like, but that'll do it for our top seven in week number 14. Charles, what are your thoughts? 
perfect on, on, on cue in terms of uh, the top seven. I think that's right. What I keep looking at uh, is the offseason for every one of these teams. Every one of these teams are going to have a lot of question marks, uh, a lot of things that they're going to have to answer in the offseason. Uh, when you're talking about uh, Jackson State, they've got to, they've got to rebuild a, a defensive line. You're talking about Alabama State, Keyshawn Johnson's in the portal. So who becomes a new playmaker? Can Alabama State uh, find a, a, a consistency at the quarterback position? Uh, all corn State, uh, uh, they're, you know, they're, they will we'll see, you know, what, 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 what their roster turn will be like. Prairie View will be breaking in a new quarterback. North Carolina Central breaking in a new quarterback. Howard's going to have some roster turn. These are the, 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 and what's very interesting is the celebration both teams are veteran teams. So, uh, you know, those are things that you kind of keep in mind. So, you know, there, there are, there isn't the continuity of the roster as you've seen, I think for the past two years, especially taking a look back at Jackson State, because you had to do it coming back you know, for another season. So there was that quarterback to look forward to going into the uh, the 2022 season. So who is that quarterback to look forward going into the 2023-24 season? You know, it's Darren Allen uh, who, you know, takes that next step, uh, if you will, for Alcorn. So a lot of question marks to be uh, handled in the offseason. Man, that's a tremendous point you make. Looking at this top seven, I just realized, all of them, except for maybe Alabama State Hornets, can have a new quarterback on the center next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be fascinating. Not only do you have your natural turnover of senior of these loaded teams, particularly between FAMU, Howard, North Carolina, Central, even Prairie View, which is fascinating, even with the Alcorn State Braves, with these teams fighting, you know, tooth and nail for a championship, whether it's conference or a national, they were right on the edge. A lot of these teams are loaded with senior leadership to get it done, which means you're going to have that turnover naturally with that. But then you have the transfer portal. Right. Uh, so if you were having some folks that you were counting on to take the next step, can you count on them in, in terms of them returning? Can you retain uh, them? Yeah. You're going to have mm-hmm. a chance to go out and maybe get some gold. You're going to mine some gold out there. Who's going to be the one that strikes the gold? <laughs> Um, as I had a chance to talk to Jermaine Jackson. He's the head football coach, Texas Southern alum. As he looks to see what he can get done in terms of taking some coaching opportunities, he went to the quarterfinals of Augusta. Uh, A tough loss for them in regards to in the rain. They got it done. That was the same team that obviously defeated Benedict College when you talk about that. But now you have these new coaches that are transferring and looking to get into the mix too. Uh, with uh, Chennis Berry. Is he going to be the next him taking over? His name has been mixed for all three of the big-time jobs out there with yeah. South Carolina State uh, Southern and Texas Southern with South Carolina State even putting the offer on the table. So will he be in the MEAC or will he be in the SWAC or will he stay in the SIAC? It'll be fascinating to see what that looks like. We talked about the movement within conference. Are you going to see that kind of change over rolling? So uh, it will be fascinating the season uh, next year with a lot of question marks. We can wait to July to really get into it and get Ooh. that much excited. But we get a chance in the spring to kind of see what takes place over the next couple of weeks. We'll at least see who some head coaches will see those teams coming in the portal, who stays in the portal, where do they go, who maybe comes back out of the portal, and who do you get in the portal. So it's going to be fascinating. Then February you get to sign today some early glimpses of who you get excited about especially if they're JUCOs, so those guys you expect to start right away. 
you know, some freshmen that you can lather up and get excited about. Ooh-wee. I just can't believe it. It'll be fascinating to see what that looks like. I do want to ask you this because I want to talk a little bit of basketball and get your thoughts on that. But before I do that, I did would be remiss if I didn't give you a chance to talk maybe a little more about this matchup in the cricket celebration room. Howard, as we see now, ranked number two, comes in at six and five, four and one, representing the MIAC, played a uh, very tough non-conference schedule, uh, ran through the uh, MIAC, but they were not unscathed. They do have their loss when they went to South Carolina State on the road. So they have that blemish. So uh, even within the conference, they were not able to do what Bam U did, which is go eight and oh. Um, and win a championship game, the added game that you have to get through in the squat. 11-1, people have their thoughts on this. In Atlanta, a lot of fans will be there. You expect that you'll have a near sellout crowd, if not sellout crowd. My understanding, tickets are brisk. As you see there, in terms of the bus going to Atlanta, nobody in the driver's seat anymore. They're there. They've landed those tickets. Uh, so nobody in the hunt. It's going to be between Howard. And Florida and a magical matchup for the Cricket Celebration Bowl. Charles, what are your early thoughts? Certainly don't have lean any direction in terms of who you're picking, but just give me some uh, thoughts that people are going to start digging, uh, getting excited about this matchup, whether it's players to watch, coaches to think what direction they're going to go in. Yeah. Talk to me. Yeah, I, I think, I, as always, the MIAC brings that healthy chip on their shoulder. Uh, into the celebration bowl. Uh, without fail, we know we're going to hear uh, next week, you know, how uh, uh, although the MIAC has had success, uh, they, they consistently uh, talk about how, you know, how everybody always talks about the offense and the swag and, and the eyeballs are in the swag and the fun and the excitement is in the swag. So, you know, they, they although they've had tremendous success, uh, in the Celebration Bowl, somehow Howard's going to find uh, a way to make themselves that super underdog, much the way uh, South Carolina State did, uh, North Carolina Central, you know, Jackson State gets all the pressure. It, it's going to happen next week. So I, I know that's going to happen. But, you know, the thing for me is uh, when you take a look at Howard, uh, the, the first, you know, data point for me is can Howard pop them you in the nose uh, the way they did North Carolina Central? Because if you mm -hmm. go back to that game, it was big plays, you know, uh, that, that Howard was able to hit against North Carolina Central. And then you were able to kind of rely on Eaton James and Jared Hunter and those guys. So that, that that's something that jumps out to me uh, uh, in that regards. But, you know, without fail, uh, they're, they're going to come in with that great big old chip on their shoulder, and they're going against the number one defense in the nation when you're talking about Florida A&M's defense. So mm. fascinating matchup. Ooh, good stuff. Good early tease, Charles. Well done. Well done. Let me give a shout out, Coach Willie Simmons. The honors keep coming. Last week we talked about him being the SWAT Coach of the Year when he was notched by FCS uh, CFP Light on Sports Coach of the Year. I like this as we started talking about the transfer portal and we talked about the freshmen coming out of high school. You also have Light on Sports uh, Fall 2023 Assistant Coaches of the Year, which included Recruiter of the Year. Jevin Reefus, uh, which is fascinating in terms, obviously, what he was able to do for that program. And, and ultimately, if you want to use this as a measuring block, winning a conference championship uh, certainly says a lot and is a feather in your cap, if nothing else. Uh, before that being said, uh, next 
Thursday, we'll talk a little bit about the proposal, new changes in the NCAA uh, as a le- athletic subdivision rooting in the direction of athlete compensation. Mm. That's going to be huge. How that mm. factors in, and we'll have to get a deeper dive and talk about some business. We'll do that in an early segment on uh, Thursday. But I know you wanted to put some final shout-outs and plugs for basketball, namely starting with Arkansas Pine Bluff, the ladies' basketball, mm-hmm. defeating SMU 78-76. to Don has it going on over there and really playing big in terms of that matchup. I saw some Prairie View folks were teasing. This is a battle of former uh, Prairie View and women's basketball. <laughs> uh, yeah. and both of them had won uh, SWAC tournament championships. So these mm-hmm. are championship coaches, so don't forget that. But fascinating mm-hmm. to see Toyo Wilson getting it done in terms of that. What are your thoughts in terms of that matchup between Arkansas Pine Bluff and SMU? Zay Green. Zay Green back healthy. She had a big game last night. Uh, it's going to be fun to uh, watch uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff uh, sort of uh, uh, see where they go because they were right there uh, in the mix there in the SWAC tournament last year. Uh, but they didn't have a healthy Zay Green in that tournament. So it'll be interesting to see what she brings to this Arkansas Pine Bluff mix on the women's side of the ball. Great wins thus far. Jackson State uh, on the road. Southern, a huge one against number 21, Mississippi State. Shout out to the Jags on that. Anytime you get a win on Mississippi State, way to go. (laughs) So uh, definitely, you know, you've got some – some big wins thus far on the season. And, you know, one, I don't know, and I have to take a look at some more games, but one stat that's kind of jumping out at me uh, is these HBCU teams, they're rebounding well with these Power 5 teams thus far. I think Jackson State, in, the, in, the, in their upset, they out-rebounded uh, uh, the team they played. So I wanted to kind of browse the stats with regards to Southern Mississippi State to see if there were some trend lines that we are starting to see uh, because uh, we're – you know, through the transfer portal, we're getting, you know, some 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 real athletes, especially out on the wings, man. So that's really something that I'm kind of paying attention to. Yeah, I was gonna shout out and want to get into some on the men's and some of those big upsets, Southern over uh, Mississippi uh, State there. I know you were gonna uh say there were some <laughs> angels singing in terms of that win, but I, I did want to leave out the women. I got another one for you, I think that you'll appreciate. Um, collegeinsider.com, women's mid-major top 25. We have two major division programs on the women's side in the top 25. Check this out, Charles. At number 20, you have Norfolk State, the Spartans. Ladies get the the time at the ranking. They were seven and two. Well, guess who's right behind The second team in the poll, number 22, Jackson State. Mm. The ladies. And getting it done over there as well as they are foreign to Miak and Swack. You talking about a Miak Swack challenge? <laughs> Norfolk State ladies, that'd be a little fun. But right now, we can enjoy them to continue to do what they do and see if they can continue to rise in the college insider uh, basketball women's um, dot com poll rankings in top 25. That's a cool, that's a major shout out. We've seen some teams singly being in the top 25, but getting you two, and then you get one out of the MIAC, one out of SWAC. Yeah, That's pretty yeah. good there. It's pretty good. What that looks like. So excited about that. I uh, wanted to make sure we got in the table. So I'll ask your final thoughts on that because I think you uh, really did a great job in terms of shout-out on the men's side. The thing that I'll say about the men's before I let you have the final word with the women's in their top 25 
is the fact that we got teams already with three, four division. Yeah, one yeah. Prairie was the first one to get the three, but you also mm-hmm. now have Norfolk State, Howard with four division one wins, Tennessee State sneaking in there with their four wins at the division one level. So on the men's side, you also have that taking place. That not only are they getting some of these major Power Five upsets we see, but they're also getting some solid D one mid major and low major wins. Uh, particular with, as you know, a lot of these games are in neutral sites on the road. So get that done. That's a shout out. So a lot of shout out there in terms of what that looks like. So I did want to say that before, again, I give you that final word, the shout out there. Uh, Obviously, SWAC is two and two overall against uh, HBCU program. So officially, the MEAC is four and oh against HBCU Division One competition and two and oh against the SWAC. Uh, mm. SWAC is two and two overall in HBCU Division One competition. Zero and two against the MEAC, obviously. That's big when you talk about non-conference HBCUs getting those wins to be at that level. The MEAC is one and zero against HBCU Division Ones. They hadn't played a SWAC, but they will play one SWAC matchup. So I'm interested to see what that looks like a little later on. We do have a couple of matchups coming up with Bethune Cookman against South Carolina State. You have South Carolina State in another matchup. I believe, um, against the SWAT team. We'll give you that information as we get closer over the next couple of weeks to keep your eyes on what that looks like. I always try to find ways to dig in here and see some of these uh, HBCU data points to see what that looks like beside just the overall wins. And what we can expect is it's going to be a barn burner, it looks like, on the men's and women's side for both the MEAC and the SWAT. With that yeah. being said, Charles, final words in terms of the top 25 college insiders for the women. Uh, any other thoughts you might have to close out the show today? Yeah, huge recognition thus far uh, for Norfolk State and Jackson State. I, I think you, you're seeing some great basketball being played on both the men's and women's side, especially on the women's side. And when you start looking at some of these women's games, they, they match up very well uh, with some of these teams that they're playing. Uh, and they're not just showing up for the check and moving on to the next city. They're coming to win and get the check. So the, the, that, that's real important to keep in mind. Uh, the, the mindset, especially that these coaches are, are, are um, implementing into these athletes, uh, they're going out there and performing. I love it. Another shout out for those ice cold brothers of Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. Uh, happy Founders Day, belated late as it was yesterday, December 4th, that magic day. 117 years as we celebrate it. Coming down, we're looking forward to 118. That being said, thank you for listening to. Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, make sure you share our podcast with your co- with colleagues and friends. I am Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Watts, Charles Bishop. Uh, make sure you continue to check us up. Again, check us out and check up on us. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Shout out to all the lab listeners out there. Appreciate you joining us, showing us love. Great comments. Keep them coming. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Liz Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time, Sunday at 9. We'll see if we're going to do a show this week. Uh, we might wait until the final week to get in there, but uh, we'll find out and see if you all push us. We'll make sure we get it to you. Look forward to Thursday as we give you the latest in the lab. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. On Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Facebook, and inside the HBC Sports Lab on YouTube. 
On Thursday, you will have your media day officially breaking out the coaches, Howard University coach Larry Scott, and then you have for FAMU head coach Willie Simmons. Should be fascinating in Atlanta as they open up things uh, on Thursday. With that being said, dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Of course. Roy? Lecture. Dismissed. <laughs> Congratulations, Roy. I o like that. <laughs>